You've dialed in the Flying Midwest Podcast, connecting aviators from across America's heartland, sharing news, information, and events from around the region. Sit back, relax, and join our crew for some hangar talk as we discuss a wide variety of regional aviation topics. And now, from our home at the Anoka County Blaine Airport, our checklist is complete and we're ready for departure for another episode of the Flying Midwest Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to another Oshkosh edition of the Flying Midwest Podcast. We're going to be hanging out with AOPA today, asking some questions about some of the services that they've got available, their learning to fly program, and getting an update from Kyle Lewis over here about what's going on in the Great Lakes region. So um, we are at Oshkosh. It's day four for us out here. We've had just a ton of fun uh, covering all sorts of different things, listening to that guy drive by on some sort of lift, making a lot of beeping noises while we're trying to record. So... Just another day in the life at Oshkosh. <laughs> and, you know, part of this is we want the ambiance, but that's not... I was looking for airplane noises, not construction noises. I think he hijacked that thing. <laughs> <laughs> we should call EAA police. We uh, need to get into stories about that if you want to talk about it. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> too soon. It's too fresh. Um, I'll just leave it at this. The EAA police have backed down as far as I've heard on Kyle Lewis. So um, he's in the clear. He can show his face again. There's a long story behind it we won't get into. We'll just leave you guessing on what that could possibly be that would send the EAA police after Kyle. So, without further further ado, welcome back, Kyle. <laughs> Thank you. Glad to be back. Yeah, it's good to have you. So, how's your Oshkosh experience been this year? So, this is my 23rd Oshkosh AirVenture in a row. Um, I actually flew up in 2020, um, which is another long story, but uh, I did land at Oshkosh, went to Friar Tucks. And made a couple stops and uh, flew back um, all in one day. So that was uh, my 2020 Ooh. air venture experience. How do you do that all in one day? Uh, so I'm, I live in southern Ohio. Yeah. And uh, my hangar neighbor, um, he was wanting to fly somewhere. And I, I got a great idea. And I said, have you ever been to Wisconsin? <laughs> and it was actually during air venture, the week that air venture would have, yeah. would have occurred. Oh, and 2020. Yeah, Never mind. Yeah, 2020. <laughs> yeah. So we did, the, uh, we, yeah, we did the up and back. And... Um, yeah, I made a day trip out of it, and he had never been to Wisconsin, so he got the uh, little experience of Oshkosh. So you hear the jokes all the time about create your own air venture, but now you literally did that. In I, we did, yeah, yeah, and it included all the highlights. You know, cheese yeah. curds, cheese curds, um, a new Glarus, you know, spotted cow, of course, yeah, and um, and fryer tucks. So that must <laughs> have been what the early days of air venture were like. Yeah, um, looking back in time, uh, it must have been very basic. But yeah. uh, no, this year um, it's been hot and humid. So yes, it has. That's um, you know, about every third year. I think it's like this. We just all forget it, and it's like, <laughs> where did this come from? Oh wait, it's July. Yeah, it's July so, in Wisconsin. Yeah, in July in Wisconsin. So, uh, but no, it's been good. We've been busy uh, here at the AOPA tent. I've talked to a lot of members about airport issues. Uh, you know, FAA reauthorization of Mosaic are our big topics this week. So, a lot of really good conversations. Um, and obviously, we're we're here here the rest of the week. 
Okay. Yep. Um, so we, it's been, I don't know, a couple months since we've talked to you. Yep. So what are some updates um, from around this region that you have for us? So I'll start, uh, you know, top line is uh, our legislative focus uh, at the state level. Uh, so this airports and state ad- advocacy team, uh, it was a very busy spring uh, in the legislative season at the, at the state level. Um, my big push will actually be coming this fall. Uh, Ohio and Michigan are still in session. Uh, they're on recess right now, uh, but they're gearing up for a fall session, and we're expecting to have uh, legislation in both states. Uh, so in Ohio, uh, a bill was introduced um, just a few weeks ago, about a month ago, actually, um, on the tall structure permitting in the state. And the reason this is important, it's really about airport and airspace protection. Um, not to get into too much detail, but the FAA uh, does not issue construction permits for tall structures, wind turbines, cell towers, et cetera. Okay. Um, the FAA delegates that out to local and state law. Um, and the state law in Ohio is is fairly old on this. It's outdated. Uh, so this will bring that state law in line with uh, FAR, or I'm sorry, CFR Part 77, uh, which is the TURPS instrument approaches okay. and, and all that, which gets very complicated. Um, so we're working on that actually right now with some of the state reps that are bill sponsors, uh, doing some education sessions uh, with with the committee. There's now an aviation committee in Ohio. I think one of the only states, if not the only state, that has a specific aer- uh, aerospace and aviation committee uh, in the state house. So uh, looking forward to working with that committee uh, on getting this legislation passed. Uh, in Michigan, not a lot of detail yet, uh, but some aeronautics code updates, um, and this could you know. From airport licensing to aircraft registrations, um, you know, a whole gamut of things. Uh, the draft bill has not been released yet. Uh, we're expecting that in the next few weeks to, you know, month um, for the fall session. So uh, that's what I'll be working on uh, this fall. And uh, also with our airport support network program, um, I have well over 400 volunteers in the region now. Oh, that's great. Uh, which is great. Um, I think there's roughly uh, public use airports in the region, about 860. Okay. Uh, on the last count. So, you know, having 50% of those is, yeah. is a really good number because some of these strips are even agricultural strips, you know, that are open to the public um, or even small municipal airports. But for the most part, out of uh, nationwide, out of 3,300 Nippius airports, uh, we have 2,200 ASN volunteers at Nippius airports. So we're very excited to have that program back up and robust. Fantastic. So, on the last episode we had with you, we talked about some initiatives going on with a few different airports. So can you give us some updates on those? Yeah. So um, the two biggest in my region, that um, uh, closure threats. So those are our top-line yeah. defense issues. Um, so Burke Lakefront in Cleveland. Uh, there were two studies that have been commissioned. One study was on the regulatory process to close the airport. Um, the city council commissioned this study through a, a consulting engineering firm. Um, and just to be blunt, they could have asked the FAA and got the information for free. The first study is back in the hands of city council. I'm sure they're reviewing it. It has not been released to the public yet. Uh, the second study, uh, which was alternative land uses of the airport property, uh, that's still ongoing. I think that's expected to come back in early fall, September, uh, maybe October. Um, but once those studies are released to the public, we'll get our hands on them, kind of digest what what was said. Um, but for right now, the conversation on closing the airport seems to have tapered off. Uh, with rhetoric coming out of the mayor's office. So okay. uh, we're still monitoring it. And obviously we keep reaching out to the mayor's office, we keep reaching out to uh, local groups like the East Central Ohio Pilot Association uh, for support on this issue and, and really monitoring closely. Um, the other issue, also Ohio, 
uh, is the Toledo Executive Airport. Um, I, this was after, I think, our first interview, this issue came up. Okay. Um, this was in late March. I got a phone call from uh, some members that the mayor, actually in his State of the City address, uh, one of his initiatives was to close the airport and build a electric vehicle battery factory on the property, um, which we all have our own opinion on the electric vehicle yeah. front, uh, but the airport is not the best use for that kind of facility. The airport is federally obligated. And the mayor had no idea that there was a process to even close the airport. Um, so we did some fact-finding. We did a FOIA request on any emails between the FAA and the city, you know, the city and the Port Authority, um, just to kind of get a, a grasp on how deep they have looked into this issue. And in our advocacy work, public information is a very good leverage. Um, you know, a lot of people don't like to do that because they think they're hindering something or they're going to come after people. But it's it's your right as a citizen sure. um, to to take a look at what's going on with with your with your dollars or with your elected officials. So uh, we use that tool quite a bit, uh, public record requests, because every now and then you find a very good gold nugget of information um, to further our advocacy work. Uh, so we did that. Um, we did find that the city had contacted the FAA, and the FAA had basically said. Um, you know, without being too blunt, uh, we would not support closing this airport. Uh, and I know they had further conversations in person with the FAA, uh, and that conversation has also been dropped. Um, and AOPA did write a letter in support of that airport. Uh, there's also a lot of local support from the township the airport sits in, okay. uh, operators at the airport, uh, corporate operators that use uh, Toledo Executive. Um, so that conversation has also tapered off on the closure front. So um, that was kind of a flash in the pan. But that's what we're here for. Yeah. And sure. that's what our airport support network is here for, um, is to give us a heads up on these issues, be able to, to get in front of them before it's too late in some cases. Um, but, yeah, other states, um, airport issue-wise, you know, really working with state DOTs on any updates with their state aviation system planning. Um, and I attend, you know, out of my eight states, I attend, uh, you know, four or five state DOT conferences or airport manager conferences every year. Uh, just to keep tabs on the network uh, that I have built uh, here in the region, and also updates within the state as far as funding changes. Um, Indiana got a bump in funding in this in this last legislative round, which is very good news. Uh, Marty Blake, the state DOT director, um, does an excellent job in Indiana, um, and there's some really fine airports in 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 in, in, in Indiana <laughs> as well. Um, so that's kind of the, the regional uh, outlook. Um, you know, going into this fall, Ohio is still working on their state aviation system plan, and AOPA is uh, on their uh, uh, public advisory committee or te okay. te technical advisory committee. Um, so that project is getting up and running. Um, also in Michigan, uh, they're doing a legislative task force uh, for this aeronautics code update um, that I've been attending some meetings for. So um, all good stuff, keeping us very busy. Yeah. And um, looking forward to, uh, to this fall. Great. Yeah, we love to see it. It's great that you guys advocate for those small airports. Sometimes they just, I, I'm sure, as, as you know, but as you guys, uh, our listeners may not know, you know, smaller airports and small communities may not have that kind of support. So it's it's vital that, you know, it's vital what you guys do, what you do. So thank you for doing that. Appreciate it very much. Yeah, and not only, you know, thank you for all that you do with AOPA and advocating for, you know, pilots and airports everywhere, but, um, Thank you for helping us with the opportunities that we've had here with AOPA over the course of this week, helping to get some interviews arranged, um, helping us to have some humor within this week with my jokes about the EAA police. 
Um, it's it's been a blast, and it's been really great connecting with you again. Well, I appreciate everything you guys are doing because uh, you know, there's some print publications, um, you know, there's some social media things, but I think this venue is is a very good connection to our membership. It's a very good connection to aviation, um, and I'm glad you guys are here at AirVenture and highlighting AOPA because uh, we are doing quite a bit across all lines of business uh, for our membership. And um, you know, I would take the opportunity to thank EAA, of course, you know, for hosting this amazing show. And we're just happy to be part of it, even if we might end up in handcuffs uh, by the end of the week. Um, when I say we, I mean me. Yeah, just uh, you. But it, we it, offered it, you EAA bail money. So. Well, yeah, uh, but that's like monopoly money here, right? Well, it's but if only it good in the out of only, EAA jail, then it's only good in, in the uh, in the uh, museum. <laughs> so um, it was a very minor infraction, and um, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I also want to comment on your sunglasses. They're very sharp. I like the uh, little design with the... Oh, the flying tigers. I have yeah. matching underwear. Perfect. Yeah, and perfect. socks. And socks. And socks, okay. yeah. Decked out. Decked out. It's really yeah. all about representing aviation in every possible <laughs> way here at AirVenture. You see some mighty fine things here at AirVenture. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that is true. After hours, AirVenture could be its own its own thing. <laughs> Um, That's the pay-per-view, not yeah, podcast-worthy subjects. Yeah, yeah. Uh, After Hours Air Venture is, oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of air show zombies around here. Yeah. Know, um, these are just the attendees that are just kind of staring in the sky all day. And um, you know, they've got that really unique sunburn, which is just yeah. their face, right? Yeah. And, um, but no, it, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. They made a comment at the air show yesterday about people with burned consoles because they're like, <laughs> Staring up the sky, oh, airplanes. <laughs> so their consoles get sunburned. Yeah. Um, I did have somebody ask me if this was the boat show. Come on. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, Where do you see a boat here? Except well, there's, for the seaplane there's a few. There's a, actually, there are a few boats. All right. Well, I haven't looked that close for the boats. Yeah. Uh, one year, just a funny story. One year, um, when I was still coming as a spectator, which I think we're all spectators even yep. when we're, we're here working, um, in the campground, which Camp Scholar, um, again, could be an entirely other podcast of just <laughs> critiquing campsites um literally a like one of the big houseboats okay that was their camper for the, for the weekend yeah they towed it in and you know they had like a ladder to get up in it because generally it floats <laughs> in the water right but you know it's like 18 feet tall oh for sure and that you know party barge right in the campground so for your minor infraction the eaa police was going to come after you but you can park a houseboat in yeah. camping and they don't care yeah i'm pretty sure you could tow your house okay here. well i'm not gonna try that that's very inconvenient they did. Yes. Well, there you go. A, a they did. It was a, the log cabin. Yeah. Well, yeah I saw that. We're not talking like a that. you know family size residential home. We're talking it's a tiny house, right? Yeah. It's still a house. Okay. Eric. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But no, I, I think it's been a, a, a great air venture here at Oshkosh. Um, airplane. Sorry. <laughs> big round engine airplane flying uh-huh. over. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to be able to fly mm-hmm. in. Uh, landed right on the purple dot, um, so very very excited about about that. You, then after that, all the pressure's off for the rest of the week. Yeah. Once you, you know, and because um, everyone's watching your landings. Well, I got here Friday morning, so it was just the you know okay. the dedicated folks are out there watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see the people with the signs? I did. Did you yeah. get rated? What was your score? Um, Nine point seven. Nine point seven. Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure what the point three. It's out of. Must be my parking skills for the point three. <laughs> took point seven off. They didn't tell you the scales out of a hundred though. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, 
right well, across the bow with that. Yeah, Sorry about that. Yeah. Well, that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> well, but, thank uh, you again so much for your time, Kyle. We yeah, really appreciate you. you coming back on. And yeah, anytime. We're going to move on to our next segment. Okay, enjoy. Thanks, everybody. Um, well, we're going to switch gears a little bit, and we would like to introduce uh, Kate, who's part of the AOPA medical program. Welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. Anything I can do to help? Currently, no. We're not <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so can you give us a little background about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So I work in the, uh, the um, medical certification division here in AOPA. I have a pretty extensive medical background. Um, and kind of just a brief, really quick overview of what we do with AOPA is, is uh, on, on the medical side, at least, is anything that has to do with your medical certification standards, whether that's dealing with the FAA, uh, helping you know gather paperwork, what conditions are disqualifying, why they're disqualifying, how you can how you can kind of not not necessarily circumvent, but how you can prepare for what that process is going to take through the FAA. We also obviously handle a lot of those as well. It's just quick thirty thousand foot view. Kind of what we do. So, um, how do you get access to the this medical service? So, uh, just as a as a basic AOPA member, so at our, at our regular base membership, you can call in and speak to one of us in the office. There are only a handful of us that work in the medical division, so um, just regular membership, you can call and talk to us. We can have a conversation, whether it's five minutes or five hours, it doesn't matter. Um, if it gets more in-depth where, you know, we need to follow something through the, through the FAA, or you want us to reach out to the FAA on your behalf, uh, that comes as part of our pilot protection services basic, so the first level of pilot protection services allows us to kind of walk through the FAA process with you should you be deferred or denied or something to that effect. Uh, one more step up from that as part of our Pilot Protection Services Plus level of membership is if you're in a deferral process or in a, in a position where the FAA has sent you uh, a request for additional information for a medical condition, you can send your documents to us. One of our senior reviewers, which is myself, will sit down and, and go through your, your actual medical documentation, so your medical records line by line just as though the FAA would. Uh, we look for conditions that would be disqualifying that maybe weren't disclosed, lab values that the FAA isn't going to like, you know, just medications that we know the FAA isn't going to like. Anything, anything that could be a potential hiccup or, or slow down the process with getting an AI letter uh, taken care of and a medical certification issued, whether it be a special issuance or a regular medical, we, we just kind of guide through that process. So in addition to those services that you provide, are there advocacy things that you guys are doing in the background with the FAA or? Yeah, so... That's that's kind of a, a twofold question to answer. So on the medical certification side, we don't do a lot of the um, in Washington D.C. kind of advocacy. Our director is is, is pretty plugged into the FAA. Um, however, for advocacy specifically, um, we that all gets deferred to our government affairs. Oh sure. So th they do. You know, if there needs to be a, a significant policy change or something to that effect, that goes through the government government affairs. Now we have conversations with the FAA often and bounce the ideas back and forth and, you know, say just kind of casual conversations where we say, hey, you know, let's take a look at this or let's talk about this medication a little bit more in depth and see what we can do about maybe changing some of the rules or something to that effect. But as far as legitimate government ag advocacy, that goes through our, our advocacy department. Still something that obviously AOPA is involved in. Oh, just absolutely. Not, yeah. Just not this branch. Just correct. Yeah. So basic medicine is a prime example of yeah. that. Um, we, we advocated, our government affairs specifically advocated for the Know, the introduction and implementation of basic med. So that's probably our pride and joy on the medical certification division, and I'm sure the government's very proud of that as well. But that's a prime example of the advocacy that we do, is not necessarily lowering the standards, but making different avenues for pilots to be able to Sure, certify. yeah. 
So you talked a little bit about basic med. Um, is that something that you offer additional services for if you're not a member of AOPA, if you're working under basic med, or how does that work for you Correct, guys? yeah. So to call in and get advice on basic med, whether it be how to go through the process, is my health condition disqualifying, um, is, you know, is, is the last, my last medical that I had, you know, does it fall under the correct category to make me valid sure. for basic med? To get those kinds of questions answers, you do not have to be a, uh, a AOPA member. Um, as well as, we obviously maintain one of the basic med courses, us in the Mayo yeah, Clinic. Yeah. Um, so to do that course, you don't have to be a, an AOPA member. To get tech support for that course, you don't have to be an AOPA member. Anything that has to do with basic med, until we start getting into, well, this is disqualifying for basic med. Now we got to start talking about going back to get a third class medical. Sure. Anything that before that happens, you don't have to be an AOPA member to take advantage of. Okay. Well, that sounds like a fantastic resource. I know basic med is getting more popular and popular by the year, so that's really awesome. Um, what is AOPA medical working on now? So the biggest thing that we do kind of as a revolving, you know, we're working on continuously is the, the FAA is constantly updating uh, qualification standards, medications that they allow, things like that effect. Obviously, there's been huge mental health changes. So we, we maintain databases of, of medications, but what we really are working on and what we really want to press is how do we how do we best prepare people for the process that they're possibly going to have to deal with for the FAA? So that's that's kind of our, our revolving what are we working on because we're constantly working on that. We want to make sure that we have the best path forward for pilots to get certified. Um, and we need to have the most knowledge so that we can then impart that on our aviation community, specifically general aviation community. So, for instance, we, we come to events like this and we go to seminars and we educate ourselves. We go to the same kind of seminars that AMEs go to. So when your AME you know, knows something, we're going to know it too because we go to the same seminars that they go to. Okay. Um, so we're, we're just, while mostly we're just constantly making sure that we're as up to speed as we can possibly be so that our members are up to speed on what as they can. Is there something that you guys would see as like the biggest issue that people bring to you for advice or information? Yeah, and specifically, currently, our, our biggest, I would say, 50% of, of what we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis is, I'm going to call it an epidemic, is the epidemic of, of ADHD diagnosis in okay. the country. Yep. Um, you know, your specific opinions on whether or not those the ADHD diagnoses are real or not, that's, that's kind of another topic altogether, but... It, as a child of the 90s or late 80s and the 90s myself, I can tell you that when I was growing up, doctors were handing out ADHD medications and ADHD diagnoses like they were candy. Sure. Um, and it's kind of the same today. I think, I think that trend has kind of fallen off a little bit. Um, but our, our probably biggest subsection of people that we deal with, with the exception of older pilots on basic med, is younger pilots who are just getting involved in aviation that either have a, a diagnosis of ADHD previously, anxiety previously, depression previously. And so that that's a difficult task to try and tackle, getting those pilots approved. Not impossible by any means. And there are potentially some, some changes coming down the pipeline. There were previously some, some significant changes that happened. So that is that is the bulk of, of what I do on a day-to-day -day basis, I would say, is kind of help people through the process with some sort of mental health diagnosis. So that's a good segue for one of the other questions that we have as far as the mental health stuff. So the FAA recently approved some additional medications for um, mental health type of diagnoses as well as um, talk about maybe approving more. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Right, yeah. So previously there were there were four uh, SSRIs that were allowed 
as as medications that you can take for either depression or anxiety or some other a few other diagnoses, mostly uh, depression and anxiety. Just recently, the FAA approved Wellbutrin extended release and sustained release, and that's an important distinction to make while I while I have a, an audience is. Uh, just Wellbutrin is not approved. So if you're just taking standard, everyday, run-of-the-mill Wellbutrin, that is not an approved medication. It okay. must be extended release, release or sustained release, which is a less common medication. Not a lot of people are on it. Um, so we are there. There was kind of a, an influx of people saying, "Whoa, whoa, whoa I, you know, I'm taking Wellbutrin now. I can get certified." It's, well, yes or no. And the vast majority of them fell into the category of they're taking the wrong kind of Wellbutrin. Okay. Um, I have heard, and this is this is a lot of a lot of this is you know just we've heard and may not may or may not come to fruition, but we have heard that the FAA is looking at additional medications. I don't know what they are. I don't know what class of drug they are. Um, I just know that they they involve mental health in some capacity. But their their FAA is is the the beauty of particularly Dr. Northrup, who's the federal air surgeon, yeah. is that she's she's very much abreast of the the issues that society is facing in terms of you know stressors and you know anguish and mental health much more so than the FAA was was kind of as lenient on 30 years ago there's there's been a lot more topics on on opening up the discussion between pilots and the FAA and their physicians about the treatment of mental health which I think is a phenomenal thing because it's it's a huge you know a huge societal issue is, yeah is, for sure is dealing with mental health and so Dr. Northrup I think is is on she's on the pilot side it's just a matter of, of getting the policies in place, working through the FAA system. So it's just it's it's going in the right direction. Things just take time. Sure. Um, so that's really encouraging to have somebody that's in government that's on our side. I feel like for many, many, many years, and I don't think it's a big secret, pilots have felt like they can't say anything to anyone, doctors or otherwise, for fear of losing their medical and losing their entire career. And nowadays with aviation, one being so expensive, and two, you know, mental health being such a prevalent thing in society and, you know, COVID and everything. I think that's it's really great that, you know, we have somebody there who's important and also on our side for that. So that's that's really incredible. Yeah, and I think you hit that perfectly on the head is, is what we what, what general aviation pilots has lacked is is an advocacy or ad, ad, an advocate in the effort. And, uh, you know, it's still kind of, and I'm a pilot myself, so it's still kind of the mentality that the FAA is the boogeyman. They're out to get you. Um, and, this, you know, specifically on the medical side, I think that, you know, that was that was really thought of as the case 10, 20, 15 years ago. Um, but that's that's changing for the better. It's still, it, you know, you still got to keep people safe in the air. Yeah. And the whole point of them is to keep the national airspace system safe and effective. And there's, so there's still the, you know, there's still some things that are going to be hard-nosed. And they're never not going to be hard-nosed, probably. Um, but the fact that we have a have a physician at the highest level in the in the FAA that really is is looking out for general aviation, I think, is a huge thing for us as far as keeping GA alive and not even alive as as you know younger pilots come up keeping GA growing. Yeah, great points. So if someone wants to get a hold of you guys to take advantage of your services, how would they go about doing that? Um, well, so we have uh, you know aopa.org. Um, you just navigate to, to medical resources on that, um, or they can call us at any time. Uh, it's 1-800-872-2672 is the phone number. Um, if, if they're not a member, they have to go through a little bit more kind of legroom to get to somebody just because, you know, we, we, we obviously cater to members. Yeah. 
Um, but it's not impossible to, to you know get to get through to us specifically as a non-member, particularly as I said, if you have a basic health question. So the easiest way to get uh, a question addressed and to kind of understand what more you may need is just give us a call. Um, we're we're there, you know, 8:30 to typically six Eastern time, Monday through Friday. Someone's always going to pick up the phone, um, and you'll you'll the the beauty of AOPA is is that we're here for GA. We're here for the members. We're here for the pilots. So, you, you know, we're never going to blow anybody off. Even if even if they're not a member, I'm not going to, you know, if somebody calls in and say, hey, I have a question about ADHD, but I'm not a member. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to talk to you until you're a member. Sure. I'm going to at least get somebody going because, you know, money's money. And even though, in my opinion, an AOPA membership is pennies compared to what things in GA cost. Right. Um, but I, we're never going to turn somebody away and at least not get them started in the right direction just because they're not an AOPA member. So easiest thing they can do is just pick up the phone and call us. Great. Well, I think that's really swell. You know, there's not a lot of, you know, I feel like I don't want to say companies, but organizations even, you know, everything's a lot really money-driven these days. It's really great that you guys will at least give, everybody, you know, anybody the the time of day and the respect of, just pointing them in the right direction. It's really awesome. And it speaks to how passionate and um, driven you are to actually getting pilots in the system and, and helping them out. So thank you. Is there anything else that you'd like to add before we uh, hit it here? Um, no, well, not necessarily. The, just the, the kind of parting wisdom I will give is that I, uh, I, I can't tell you how many people I've spoken to who have made a decision without some guidance whether that be trying to switch to basic med or starting a medication or going to the doctor looking for a specific diagnosis um, that, you know, they've gone down that road before they've gotten some kind of guidance. Sure. And we, we see this particularly with basic med is, you know, someone will, will be a little bit confused on the process and they'll say, oh, we, you know, they'll call us and they'll say, well, I already went to the, went to the AME and I already filled out med express and I already got deferred. Well, you should have called me first because you probably right. didn't need to do that. Yeah. Um, so the the biggest piece of advice I can give someone who's who's kind of thinking about going down that process, just starting out and flying, and, and you're going going to get their first medical, is give us a call and run everything through us first before you make a decision that you may regret. Well, we really appreciate you sitting down with us, talking to us about the medical services AOPA has available for folks, and uh, we hope you enjoy the rest of Oshkosh. Absolutely, my pleasure. Thank you all. So thanks again. Yeah, thank you all. Dan, welcome to the Flying Midwest Podcast. Thanks for coming on and talking to us about some of the uh, things AOP has got going on with your You Can Fly programs. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I mean, it's just, it's awesome being back at Osh. Uh, I actually grew up about an hour and a half south here in Waukesha. So not only do I get to come back and hang out with my family and friends that I grew up with, but I get to be with my uh, aviation family here at Osh. It truly is an amazing celebration of aviation. There's nothing like it. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a, oh man, the Super Cup is making another pass. That is spectacular. Too bad no one else can see it, except for us and anyone else at Osh. That seems to be defined all logic. logic I know, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be flying, but there it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we want to talk to you a bit about those programs, but uh, tell us a little bit about your background first. Yeah, sure. Well, I, like I said, I grew up about an hour and a half south in Waukesha County, and uh, growing up as a kid, I got turned on by aviation with aviation by watching radio-controlled gliders flying in the park near my house. So that was my exposure to general aviation was just seeing the beauty and the coolness of those gliders flying. It was something that that always stuck with me. So 
I never really had aspirations to be an airline pilot or a professional pilot, though you never know. It could always happen. There's lots of opportunities oh, yeah. in general aviation. But that seed was planted and that the flying bug uh, was was established. And uh, so I just got to a point in my life where I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to wait anymore. I'm going to do it. So I went and got my private license. Uh, my certificate, I got my instrument rating, and ever since I've just been loving flying general aviation for fun, and now I get to do it uh, as part of my job as well with AOPA. That's awesome. Yeah, it's great. So you're part of the um, AOPA Learn to Fly program. Could you tell us a little bit about those four pillars that you guys kind of follow? Absolutely. So there's really, there's not one right certain way to grow the pilot community. So what we've done is we've developed an umbrella program called You Can Fly. Um, and it's based on the four pillars like you mentioned. And it's uh, programs established to help people get into aviation and stay aviation at different kind of milestones uh, of their journey. So the first is we get kids excited uh, about aviation and teach them about opportunities through our high school STEM curriculum. So it's amazing program, free curriculum. It's in over 400 schools this past school year. Wow. Well over 16,000 students, and I think nearly 50,000 students served uh, since we started working that curriculum. So we've developed the whole program. It's a turnkey operation, so teachers have everything that they need, lessons plans, presentations, materialist experiments, all this great stuff, video series. So it's an amazing program just to get kids excited and into aviation and open their eyes to opportunities where they could either just do it for fun or do it as a career. So great program there. And then the next step would be helping people learn to fly. So we've got the, the flight training initiative. And that group is um, was created to help create just excellent flight training experiences for everybody involved. So for student pilots, for instructors, for flight schools, we support them all through the programs uh, that we've got created for that initiative. And then once you're a certificated pilot, access to aircraft can be a bit of a challenge. So we sure. developed the Flying Clubs Initiative. So that is a great team of uh, subject matter experts in that they've created a wealth of resources. And they support people one-on-one, -on -one, emails, phone calls, and tremendous set of resources they've created to help guide people to either, one, find a flying club and join one existing, or two, help them start one from scratch. Uh, so a great way to provide access to aircraft, make flying more affordable, uh, but also to build that pilot community. I yeah. mean, just like Oshkosh here, it's way more fun sharing aviation with people than it is to yeah. do it on your own, <laughs> and you know, as, as evidenced here. So, And then we've got one more program, the Rusty Pilots Program, and that's actually a series of, uh, of programs in that initiative that help get pilots back up into the air after life gets in the way. So uh, it's a pretty common occurrence. So yeah, you get sure flying, you get going, and then other things become priorities. Uh, so we've got a program help to make it easy and super fun to get back from the air for them. So we, you have the, uh, so we're going to start with the, uh, the high school. So, or is high, high school, right? Okay. So could you tell us a little bit about the, um, that program? Absolutely. So the AOPA Foundation High School STEM Curriculum, it's a four-year program, and we created it from scratch. So it was our team. Uh, that came up together. It's um, it's pilots and instructors uh, and school teachers as well that we've got on staff in our group. Uh, put our heads together and put in a lot of effort and created that program one year at a time. So it's now grades nine through eleven. I'm sorry, nine through twelve. So it's all four years of high school. And there's two CTE pathways there. So the first couple of years you're learning about aviation history and aviation engineering and kind of the basics, the nuts and bolts of that for 
freshman, sophomore year. And then junior, senior year, you get to go down one of two pathways for that. So one would be, as you would expect, a pilot pathway. Yeah. So you can work down that path. And the other, which is, of course, is is all over the place now, is unmanned aerial systems. So yep, the opportunity to, to, to learn about and play with and learn about opportunities uh, with drones and unmanned aerial systems. There's 400 schools, 43 states, 16,000 students, and it's everything that someone would need to get that uh, to get that program up and running. And it's free. Like, that's one thing I don't think I mentioned either. It's like, yeah, we put all that time, effort yeah. into it and have created this successful program. But, you know, the key to adoption and success is we need to make it affordable and easy for schools sure. and school districts to use it. So we've taken on that burden, made it free for them, and, and the adoption has been absolutely remarkable. And um, it's just it's really fun to talk to the students and the teachers about how it's changing their lives. They had no idea that aviation was even an option for them. Yeah. So we're really creating opportunities um, and helping, you know, with the pilot shortages, but also just building the infrastructure, building the workforce uh, for general aviation and, and business aviation, commercial aviation, all of it. So it's a great place to, to plant seeds. And it's Absolutely. just so amazing to hear the stories, talk to them and see where they come from, having no idea about aviation to becoming successful, having great careers and great experiences. In yep. aviation. That's great. Setting them yeah. up for success, early exposure to aviation, yeah. all great things. Yep, absolutely. And we also uh, take a step further with a lot of those high school students is we've got a tremendous uh, scholarship program. So thanks to generous donors, and there are so many of them, uh, and the Ray Foundation as well, is we're in a position to support not only high school students, but also high school teachers, also primary uh, certificates. So anyone that's interested in it, you don't have to be a kid or a teacher. If we hadn't been in flying, it could have been us, sure. you know, earning one of those scholarships there to earn a, uh, uh, their initial certificate. But we also have advanced ratings. You know, that's one thing we get get asked all the time is like, oh, well, what about someone like me in my position? I would have a private pilot's license instrument rating. Could I work on my commercial? Of course, we've got some scholarships available for that. So we've given over $4.5 million awarded in scholarships since, wow. since the program began. And I think it's nearly 670 scholarships out to individuals. So another piece, uh, kind of a partner um, program that we have for the high school uh, curriculum is, uh, is aero clubs. So, addition to getting that STEM curriculum in school, we've got uh, Jamie Beckett, based down in Florida, is helping develop, identify opportunities for clubs to form. And the goal and hope would be that they would turn into high school flying clubs, but really they can start it with anything in aviation. So, they could be with drones, it could be someone donates an airframe or parts of uh, of an airplane and they learn how to repair or fix or some of these programs are actually building an airplane they become flyable they either turn it into a flying club for their high school or they sell that aircraft to have opportunity to have resource for another kit uh, or another project so it's amazing stuff it's teaching kids how to uh, work together as teams how to function in the world they're ordering parts from aircraft spruce you know things <laughs> like uh and 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 equipment from you know sporties and and all of the companies out there that that support the industry so they're learning how to work and they're meeting people in the aviation community at the airport um the airport administrations the local businesses so they're learning real life skills through these programs so not just the education but there's so much more to it as well with the aero club function. Wow. Yeah. She's going to steal the mic from me. <laughs> yeah, that's really awesome. I know, you know, personally, I went to a classical school, so I went to a smaller school, um, and they, but they had a big focus on STEM, but aviation was never mentioned. 
And I don't, I just, you know, nobody there had any idea. I don't think even the teachers had any idea. Um, you know, I took a teacher's kid for a plane ride once I became a CFI. You know, one of those things that's so, it seems so obscure, you know, especially if you're like in the realm of like doctors and lawyers and all that stuff. Those are like the common careers and the, that, you know, if you're really excel in STEM, but really you need everybody. So let's talk about the Learning to Fly program, um, where you guys are helping people through that journey. Sure. Talk to us about that a bit. Yeah, so our flight training initiative, we've got really two primary programs that we're working on right now with that. One is the flight training experience survey and awards. And what that does is it give, uh, gives people that have uh, been getting flight training, so the students, uh, it gives them an opportunity to do a survey, evaluate their flight training providers, their instructors and their flight school. And that provides some very valuable feedback for those instructors in school so they can learn best practices, find out where they've uh, been doing really well. Uh, poor tri-motor. What a great distraction. <laughs> I love it. There's nothing like being at Ash. We're working right now. Can you believe it? Yeah. How good is this guy? I love it. I love it. So, uh, so it provides them that feedback. Oh, another one, of course. Of course, why have one Ford tri-motor fly by when you can have two? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. This place is great. Um, so the flight training uh, experience survey and awards. So it gives the, the flight schools and instructors the opportunity to learn uh, the things that they're doing well, uh, but also learn where there's areas of improvement um, and find out about, uh, you know, transparency and what they can be doing better so they can apply best practice to that. So we help give them that information, they get evaluated, but then we also recognize the best regionally and nationally, and we give those awards out uh, at Redbird Migration each year. So it's a great celebration uh, of flight training and the industry with that. And then they're able to leverage that down the road. So they're like, hey, I'm the best flight instructor of flight school you know, in the, yeah, in the region yeah. or in the country, and then that helps them support their business. So we're doing our best to just come up with tools and ways to support um, the flight training providers um, and to you know, give them ever, every opportunity to exceed, uh, succeed with that. And then we also have developed the AOPA Flight Training Advantage. Now, this is a flight training program. We're, we're looking at uh, the success rate for, for student pilots and, and through data have realized that about 70 to 80 percent of people who start flight training don't finish. And that, yeah. that's telling us that, all right, there's something that we're doing wrong here. There's something at least that we can be doing a little bit better with that. So what uh, we've done, and actually Chris Moser right here is walking by. He was, he was the one that, uh, one of our instructors, he got frustrated with the paper syllabus, uh, that it was one size fits all and you just follow that course and it didn't really adapt to each student and how well they were doing. You'd get to lesson 10 and we'll call that landings. And then if you don't get past that, if they're not doing well, you're stuck on that. And you just keep grinding out landings, grinding out landings, go to 10 landings. Well, that's not a great learning environment for the student. Right. There's things that they are doing well. Well, we want to be able to progress them past that and learn new things. The things that they're not doing so well, let's bring them back in and keep working on that at a manageable pace instead of just trying to you know, beat it into them. But you know, that paper syllabus training is basically the same concept and process that was used since World War II. You know, basically when they were yeah. they were set up to weed pilots out quickly uh, because they want to have those that that have it they they've got the skills uh, and naturally that we take them up to success and get them flying as soon as possible and those that aren't there they're just going to wash them out as quick as possible so realize that there's a better way and then of course with all the technology in the world it really should be an electronic version to use so oh, sure. you've got the capability to use it anywhere not just when you've got your books in your backpack and that type of thing so 
so after the AOPA flight training advantage uh, we had developed, and it's an adaptive program. So CFI uses the iPad, uh, has a student over there, and it's all based on the ACS tasks. So it's all the ACS tasks. We created those, uh, listed those, and put those in a logical flow, and then some other things too, because you need to know more than just those things yeah. uh, to be ready for your check ride. So it puts that in a logical flow, and then the CFI would evaluate the student on that certain list of activities for the lesson, and then at the end of the lesson, based on what that student has done and how well they've done it each and every time, after is going to pick out that next set of lesson activities that they should be flying. So they're on the most efficient, effective pathway to get their initial certificate. So it's been working great. There's uh, over 1,800 flight schools and independent CFIs that have started it. They've logged nearly 11,000 hours uh, in the wow. program. So we're seeing it make a difference. And we're, we're, we're to that point where we want to just push that needle of that 70, yeah. 80% drop off and just keep getting that lower and lower and lower because, you know, we can do a better job. Uh, of, of getting those students to succeed and, and pursue their dreams in aviation. That's great. Yeah, so AFT is great. Um, and all of the stuff that we're talking about, to find out more information, uh, you can fly.aopa.org. Cool, 100%. Yeah, I'll put that in the show notes, too, in case you do forget. Absolutely. <laughs> or you don't have a pen handy while you're doing there it. You go. There you go. I'm sure we've all had trouble renting at some point. You mentioned that you have a program for flying clubs. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Absolutely. Yeah, you nailed it on the head there. It's that um, back when I started my training, I got my certificate, my instrument rating. It was really easy for me at my flight school to just go and rent a plane. But yeah. flight training now is booming and the planes are busy with flight training. And so the opportunities are not there to rent like they were. So to help provide access to aircraft and also to help with the affordability, when you're sharing costs, you think about it, every time you split that cost, of an airplane, it gets much more affordable for everyone involved. So we've created the Flying Clubs Initiative. So 229 clubs we've helped form, wow. and the team has helping hundreds of others all all the time. So just a great team. They've assembled. It's um, Steve Bateman and Drew Myers uh, back at AOPA HQ. They have done a tremendous job of creating these resources and this guidance and giving them all the tools that if someone had any inkling of starting a flying club we can take them right through from not knowing anything to it to really getting them set up so um it's just it's a phenomenal set of resources and a great way to keep flying once you have your pilot's license uh but also a great benefit too is being in a flying club you're you're building another community yep another piece of the aviation community gets so much fun to fly and to be around other people, uh, you know, excited about aviation. And flying clubs do a great job with that. So you're you have not only better access to aircraft, they fly more affordable, but you're creating lifelong friends in, Absol- in a yeah, great absolutely. network. And you know, all we need is one more excuse to be down at the airport, right? Exactly. So, yeah. Uh, that's it. So the flying clubs has been great. Great program. I'm a big fan of flying clubs because that's where I got started. Um, I joined a flying club when I started learning how to fly. It's 80 members strong now, but there's, you know, a number of aircraft at our disposal. But um, things like that, the community that it builds is just fantastic. That's the whole point. Got it. And also, you know, with flying being as expensive as it is, let's try that again. With flying being (laughs) as expensive as it is, when you split that cost and keep splitting it, it actually, to me, it sounds like it gives people opportunities to stay proficient, which is, I think, a huge problem. You know, the yeah, everybody knows the weekend warriors. You know, they come out once every two months and you know fly around and make the pattern of menace. You know, um, <laughs> so you know mitigating that, I think, gives people 
people, you know, have that encouragement to fly. It's like, oh, I can just book whatever. You know, I can go on this trip. I can do, you know, I can just do it for a few landings. I can snag it a, a part-time instructor and go, you know, do some stuff and be proficient. I think that's fabulous. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point, too. It's one thing to be current. Uh, it's another thing to be proficient. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah, when, when flying is more affordable, it gives us all a better chance to stay proficient and be smart, safe pilots. So say I'm one of those pilots who life has now gotten in the way, and it's been a while, and I need to knock some rust off. You guys have a program for that too, right? We do. Rusty Pilots Program, aptly named for that. <laughs> uh, exactly right. That was a great segue. Thank you. I try. <laughs> yeah, Rusty Pilots Program. It's, it's a scenario-based program. It's really fun. It, it takes you on a journey. Actually, it's a, it's a flight down in Florida. Okay. But you're flying through all different airspaces. And, you know, if you do a little flight in Central Florida, you experience just about everything that you could experience in aviation uh, in a cross-country flight. Uh, we've got a series of in-person seminars that we do. We do those all around the country. Uh, you can find those on the website. Uh, and also we do webinars uh, each quarter. And then we also have an online course. So great ways for people to kind of knock the rust off, get back into it. It reminds people of the things that they've already known, the refreshers, things like airspace and procedures, all the way through regulations, things like that, but also stuff that may have changed since they okay. flew last. So it's like aviation is a constantly evolving uh, entity, and uh, we stay on top of that, keep updating it, so it's always a fresh current course, and people are loving it. And over 12,000 have gotten back into the left seat because of the Rusty Pilot. So it's That's great. making that community, that flying aviation community, stronger. Yeah, helping, helping keep the pilots in the air for sure. And actually, we've done another one. We've got a course uh, that we've created a webinar so far. It's called Back to Your Roots. Okay. We've designed that for professional pilots. Oftentimes, people get their certificates, they move up, they become professional pilots, and then they lose touch with general aviation. You know, and that's where it all started. So we want to rekindle that for those and help get them back into it. This will be the same thing. They're like, wow, we're used to flying in the system and flying with the airlines and don't really remember what it is. And actually, you know, we've heard from professional pilots that that's a bit intimidating to, to get back down and, yeah. and fly a Cessna Piper or, or, or experimental aircraft and, um, and just take tours around the pattern because they don't really remember how to do it. They're so accustomed uh, to flying it. So we've yeah. developed this webinar series, and we're really excited to share that. Later this year, we're going to launch an online course as well which makes sense for professional pilots because they'll be able to do that whenever, hotel yeah. room, yeah. anywhere. Yeah. You could you know, do it on your phone, tablet, computer, wherever you're at, um, and a great refresher course there just to help support uh, pilots wherever they are in their, in their aviation journey. Great. That is awesome. I think that's really neat. <laughs> <laughs> we do too, and we are so privileged uh, and grateful to be able to help support aviation dreams. You know, we're, we're passionate about aviation. We love it. We've all got different experiences um, with the You Can Fly group and the AOPA Foundation and AOPA, but we have a sincere love for general aviation and even more love sharing that with others and providing opportunities for people to, one, know about it, yep. open their eyes to opportunities there, and then support them every step of the way through the programs. And again, Everything that we do is donor funded. So there's not a thing that the You Can Fly programs do that's funded through member dues with AOPA. So, um, you know, just like us, we're passionate and love aviation. So are so many people out in the community and they want to pass that legacy on. So we're so grateful for the donors uh, that make that possible. 
I'll be honest with you. Even though we're trying to do like a professional like podcast type of thing, I keep looking at airplanes taking off. I cannot <laughs> help it. This is the greatest so, office in the world. Yeah, right here. I'm sure yeah. at some point when I edit this, or I, I might even just leave it in, um, people are going to see me going like that over and over <laughs> again, looking at airplanes. Oh, airplane! Oh, there's another no one. There's a, they're everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Maddie. I forgive you. Um, so, so you said you know it's donor funded, yeah. which is fantastic. It's awesome that you know you guys and and all your donors are so passionate um, about this. So if you, if, well. If one of our listeners is wanting to get involved in that way, um, how would you suggest that you Absolutely. Well, first of all, just for all the information about our programs, as we mentioned, you can fly.aopa.org. Let's get right to the foundation for those opportunities to give and support and to continue that legacy. It's foundation.aopa.org. Super easy, and it doesn't matter what amount. Every little bit makes a difference, and it's going to change a life. Is there anything else you want to cover about it that we haven't talked about that we this, this was great. I mean, great opportunity. I really appreciate it. It's super fun. And, yeah, we've, we've, we've got it covered. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. Well, we certainly appreciate you coming on the podcast and talking to us and everyone out there about your programs and how they can get involved, especially the, the foundation part, to, to give to these programs and help to uh, inspire others to get involved in aviation or get back on the horse. So thanks so much, Dan. We appreciate it. Thank you. This has been a blast. Great to meet you both and great to spend time. Yeah. And now we get to go hang out and have fun at Osh. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Airplanes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Dan. Oh, you have a I have a mic. You, you can clip that if you want, unless you want to hold them. No, I want to hold this. Right. I want to show the world that I made this and I'm proud of it. <laughs> I'm giving this Video? as much attention as it possibly can have. Video but. bloopers are going to be a lot of fun. All right, so this has been a fascinating episode. We've learned some more about AOPA um, and some of the programs that are available and how our listeners can go ahead and access some of that stuff. Yeah, it's been really great having everybody on, and we can't wait to see you guys get involved with AOPA and taking advantage of their awesome resources. So they mentioned a lot of different resources and places that you can go for information. All the stuff we're going to put in the show notes and the video description, so you can check all of that out and get involved however you um, feel necessary with AOPA. We'd like to extend a very special thanks to Dan, Kate, and Kyle, who graciously came on to talk to us on this segment of the Flying Midwest podcast. Yeah, it's been just a blast being at Oshkosh in general, but the help and support that AOPA has given us, as well as just giving us their time and the information they're able to provide for our listeners has been really great. Yeah. And don't forget, AOPA is one of the few that advocate for us in the government and in just overall in aviation. So if you can support them, please do. They do a lot for us as pilots. All right, so I think we're going to be off to our next thing. Um, you won't see it in this episode because we're breaking these up, obviously. Tons of content from Oshkosh that, yeah. frankly, I'm, I don't even know where I'm going to start to edit this <laughs> stuff. But um, we are going to have a ton of Oshkosh content to bring you over the next several weeks. So stay tuned to all of our media, uh, the social media, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, as well as our YouTube channel for videos like this. And don't forget, we have a Patreon. So we do. Come be- become a patron today and you can see more of our shenanigans extra stuff <laughs> Alright, thanks so much for joining us on this fun and exciting episode of the Fly Midwest Podcast live from Oshkosh. And until next time, see ya! See ya! Thanks so much for joining us on the Flying Midwest Podcast. Until next time, podcast service terminated, Squawk VFR, frequency change approved. Good day.